You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What up, Bucks fans? We are live here on a Monday. It is the start of free agency, and Woo! and yeah, a lot of lot of stuff going going down. But I mean, it, it's it's uh it's very refreshing and it's fun because you know the Buccaneers always seem to surprise, and they did that today uh, with the signing of Jamel Dean. Uh, but to help us talk about everything that's going on, we have a special guest uh, that is Josh Quapo from Pure Report. So welcome, Josh. It's awesome to have you on here. Appreciate it, guys. This is one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Nice to get on with you. Yeah, absolutely. And my co-host, Mark Ramirez, as always. Mark, what what's your uh, your thoughts on all of this that has been just taking place real quick? Rapid fire, it seems like. Well, on the Bucks' hand, it's not that crazy. I mean, the only biggest crazy is I knew we'd get one of these corners back. I didn't think it'd be this one. And, and Jamel Dean. So... That's one huge thing. And I'm wondering, does SMB take like a limp in deal because of that? I don't know. But because I thought they they would like to get SMB back because you heard a lot of their scouting department talk highly of him. So I thought that would be the guy we could afford. But somehow getting rid of Shaq Mason gives us some money to sign back Jamel Dean. And I think it's huge having the two guys on the outside. Let's hopefully invest in some pass rushers, edge rushers, anything for close to the ball, please now. But other than that, I mean, this is cool to see your cornerstones on the edges kind of covering the outside. Let's see what they could they can find for pass rush. Well, one thing that I think might make you happy, Mark, is the deal or the move they haven't made, I think, bodes well for a long-term investment at edge. And that deal is um, not restructuring Shaq Barrett's contract. And in doing that, they're leaving the door open for the, the Bucks to walk away from his contract, not this offseason, but next offseason. And if they're going to do that with the fact that JTS has not ascended to where people really want him to be, there's a good chance that you're going to see a big investment in edge rusher probably day two of the the draft. I know, plus you want it to be day one. Yeah. So, But I think that you're going to see somewhere in the first couple of rounds an edge rusher come off the board for the Bucks in the draft. We all yeah. hope. Yeah, we, we hope. Right. And yeah, it's definitely it's it's got to be a priority because you, you got to be able to rush the passer. You got to be able to, 
you know, effect and it and makes your secondary better if you have a consistent pass rush. But let's uh, let's go over to the big news and get this on the screen. This was by yours truly, Josh Capo. <laughs> so just awesome to see, you know, repping uh, Pew Report. So we got to we got to show the goods here. Um, but yeah, it's awesome. I mean, when I saw this tweet, I was like, what? Like they did this and do what? Yeah. And um, you look at the deal here. What's that? <laughs> Four years, 52 million and 26 of that guaranteed. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of breakdown that is. I'm sure the the cap number, you know, this year is going to be lower than, you know, the rest of the contract, obviously, because they want to save some cap space. Yeah, I, I was uh, I think I tweeted out what I, I, I'm guessing the structure to be. Um, Bucks will probably give him around a $16 million signing bonus. Um, so that'll get prorated over the four years of the deal, which comes out to 4 million against the cap each year. And I expect the first year salary to be around 3 million. So that would mean that the cap hit in 2023 will come in around $7 million. That's my expectation. Yeah, I think, I, again, that's smart. The, the way they structure it, you know, giving the, you know, high-end front-loaded kind of contracts where they, um, you know, find a way to send out that bonus money, but also make it team-friendly. Uh, I think it's a great way of of doing it. And PFF had an article here, uh, Jamel Dean, number one so far as far as value and and the in the contract. And I mean, he was one of the top guys uh, out there. So to get him back, and now you have Carlton Davis, Dean, and Winfield. You know, for the foreseeable future. That's got to bode well for your secondary. Yeah, it certainly gives them a, a strong core to start with, uh, and then they could potentially add to that with a, a strong secondary class in the NFL draft. So um, it, what I really like about that is if you look at the couple of moves that they've made recently between some, being able to resign Dean and keeping Russell Gage, who I was I like to think that I just bullied them into it with my public campaign to retain him. Um, uh it, if you look at how that relates to the NFL draft, so it's all kind of looking at the context of every of each of these deals. By signing Dean, it means they don't necessarily have to go corner in the first round. It's a really deep corner draft, right? So they can find really good guys on third round, fourth round, even into the fifth round, some dudes who probably would have gone in the second or third in other drafts. And then by retaining Russell Gage, it means they don't have to force themselves into taking a wide receiver early in a draft where most of the value is in the back end of the draft, because there aren't, for me, I haven't found a, a round one wide receiver yet in my units. Yeah. So some good two, day two guys, a lot of, um, a lot of good day three guys. And so what this is doing is this is allowing the, the bucks to really focus on more premium positions where the depth isn't going to be there later in the draft. Um, which could stack up to a really good draft for them. Yeah, I mean, I like J Jason Light always kind of does this. He kind of sets you up little by little to figure out what you're going to look for in, in the draft. From time to time, it's literally he's singling out one need. It, I, I kind of did a video on that before, like Tristan Wirf's time. I mean, DeMar Dotson had, had left. There's a glaring hole at tackle, so what do we do? We take him. Um, the Quan Alexander year, we let him go. And what do you know? Devin White's sitting there at five. We take him there. I mean, there's been drafts like that. Let's see. Let's see if he keeps filling some holes. I still, I think I've already said it once in this live stream. 
edge rush, pass rush. You just need to fix it. You can't keep neglecting it. I know you just said, oh, hopefully a deep secondary draft. I hope, I hope not, honestly. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you, you can't can't patch a hole by just throwing shit at it, I guess. I don't know. But um, like I know Todd Bowles is really good in the secondary, and that's his, his two cents. But also, I take what he was saying about, like, you can't have Vita Vea leading you in sacks. You just can't. He's the fattest guy in the middle of the field. Everyone knows he's coming after you. If that guy's leading you in sacks, there's a massive problem. And I hope that was a slap to his face to open up because he's letting his own guys secondary out to dry by not facilitating any pass rush it's common sense i think he's smart enough to understand that and realize he's letting his secondary out to dry and it's just flat out it can't be it's not sustainable just how byron leftwich and that offense was not sustainable his defense cannot work if there's no pass rush at all and he can't keep sending blitzes and devin white i know even though he's amazing downhill i just i can't see this moving forward i just i can't <laughs> i know the brian uh what Brian Branch is the big one for Peter Report and just everyone under the sun, pretty much to the Bucks. I just, yeah, only if need and value match. That's my thing. Yeah, it, well, that's the difficult thing is where the Bucks are picking and the way this draft to this point or this draft classes, it, it's difficult to kind of peg who's going to be in there, who's going to be there in that kind of fifteen to twenty range. The other thing that we at Pewter Report have, have internally discussed and, and, you know, we don't find it extremely likely given all of the holes on the starting, you know, in terms of the Bucks starters, that they would feel obligated or feel like they're comfortable enough to pick at a position where you don't have penciled in starters. And the Bucks do have penciled in starters at edge. They don't necessarily have a penciled in starter at safety um, or nickel corner for that matter and that's where brian branch really comes into play because he's a very good player i think for me no, I'm, not, I'm not nearly done with all of my evals but for me i've got brian branch as a uh top 20 player right now in the draft so the bucks picking at 19 you know that's where you were talking about that value time it comes in there and it does meet a need um not necessarily the most premium of position but in the first round, you want to get somebody who can immediately make an impact and at a position where there's going to be a path to playing time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get that, you know, you want to, you know, make sure you maximize that first round pick and make sure he's going to see the field. Obviously, you want him to contribute. Um, and I guess you could like, you know, bringing it to the other side, would offensive tackle be somewhere they look at as far as first round? I guess it just depends on, you know, if one of those top three guys get there or do you go and, you know, look at a trade back scenario where you could maybe get an Anton Harrison or a Darnell Wright, one of those options? I definitely think that's now well on the board with Shaq Mason being, you know, somebody who's, uh, it looks like he's not going to be on the team come uh, training camp. Right. Based on the roster they have, there is a path where kind of every that all of the starting positions are filled, but that doesn't mean that it has to be the only path, right? So um, it looks like Tristan Wirfs is probably going to kick to left tackle. Um, that opens up a spot at right tackle. Maybe that's filled by Luke Gedeke there. He mm. played very well in his one start at right tackle in week, uh, what was it, 18 against the Falcons. Right. Um, looked much more comfortable there than he did at left guard early in the season. And with that, it also give, 
you know, creates a natural spot for Robert Hainsey at right or left guard with Nick Leverett taking the other, the other side. But that's also putting a lot of trust in a lot of guys who haven't played necessarily in those positions extensively. So I definitely think it, it pushes offensive tackle up in terms of likelihood of it being drafted. And at 19, it's not a terrible spot to take, say, a guard, you know, um, right. to potentially replace Shaq Mason or, or push Nick Leverett. Um, so it really opens up all of those spots at that point. It's, I mean, the first round, it could, it could be any kind of which way. I mean, it could be Brian Branch. And but also, like, looking at how Jason Light's drafted before, I mean, JTS was drafted when Shaq Barrett and JPP just won you a Super Bowl. So I, I don't buy this, oh, there's no need. There's a need for edge rush. I mean, Shaq Barrett's coming off an Achilles injury. Obviously, JTS isn't amounting to anything. Anthony Nelson's likely gone. Hey, now. So likely gone. You got Look what you just said. Was that oh, no, no. I'm not upset about Anthony Nelson. He can go. But that, that JTS slander, what? No, I, I'm a huge fan of JTS. But I'm you just, just said he hasn't amounted to anything. <laughs> Most people think. I, we were huge on JTS coming out of the draft. But, Good man. Because they, they use him in so many different ways, too. They drop him back a lot. And he covers yep. a lot of space. So it's, it's the way in which they use him. Yes, I understand what they are trying to do in that little small zone that the linebackers have to cover. And we got so mad when that Super Bowl season, they'd send Shaq back so often. It's like, he's so damn good getting out of the pass rusher. Let him do it. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the defensive scheme you're running. And it, right. it works when it works. But it, it just, you have to get more consistent guys to get after it. So if you think about it, you only have JTS. And then when is Shaq ready? Behind that, there's nothing. So like, technically, there's only one starter right now. Like, Cam Gill's not there. Andy Nelson, likely not there. So I'm like, that is also a big need. So not, well, that's not why I was hoping that they would, right? <laughs> yeah, that's why I was hoping they were going to go after um, a, a specific pass rusher who mm. ended up getting yes. a decent deal, but definitely something the Bucks could have afforded if they wanted to. Yeah. And that was uh, Ogbania Okoronkwo, who yes. signed yeah. with the Browns, I think for around six and a half, seven million a year. Yeah, um, double O. Yeah, he's. Yeah. I, I was. He was a part of my Bucks battle plan last year. Um, mm. And sure. uh, I, I just really like his game. I think he, he brings a high floor with yeah. a ton of upside. And, and I knew he'd be a fairly good value signing. So. Yeah, we we loved him coming out of college. Like we wanted the Bucks to draft him that year, but just uh, didn't happen. I think they ended up actually drafting. Was it was that the Anthony Nelson year or maybe it was the year before 2018? But uh, yeah, one of those years, I mean. We thought he picked that like sixth or seventh round, wasn't he? Yeah, he was very late. He's pick. a fifth rounder, I believe. Yeah, yeah, day three, right. and I was like, man, why are we not taking the chance with this guy? But you know, it's all about you know the makeup and what these guys look like and what they want. You know, scheme, you know, scheme specific. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I I think you got to look at you know offensive line definitely in consideration for round one. Um, but and, and then you know also defensive back as well because josh and i have talked about this off air it's like secondary is very strong it's a very strong group in this class um, especially at corner uh and then you look at safety also adds some value there too and you know the rest of the positions are just not as strong i mean you have some top very top heavy i would say at most positions where cornerback you have the depth that you're really looking for especially you can get good value uh, on day two, um, but other positions, not, not so much. 
to name drop someone else on Pew Report, J.C. Allen's, I think his uh, battle plan was uh, Jabril Peppers. Yep. Safety. That would be one hell of a, like, Jordan Whitehead clone to me. Downhill thumper. I mean, I think that would be a hell of a pickup. I guess I got to kudos to uh, J.C. Allen on that one. But, like, I, I really liked him, a downhill player, kick returner, possibility, punt returner, like, reinvigorate your career kind of thing. He's such a high elite type of player, and now he's, like, lost. So could Todd Bowles kind of exploit that and find a way to get him back where he needs to be? Possibly. But, like you said, like, that's why I was, like, the first round could go anywhere. Like, that's why I'm hoping it's just – highest value guy it's not like i'm against brian branch i i really like him as a player it's just more i'm so much more closer to the football than away from the football and especially with how this defense has been you just can't keep neglecting a massive massive problem <laughs> mm-hmm. well and that's where i think uh the one position that <clears throat> you don't hear a ton about but again it's a top heavy position and it has a lot of players who are very unique i would say versus what um traditionally especially the bucks have looked for and it's interior defensive line because mm-hmm. based on the way these signings have gone today at that position the bucks are going to be priced out of the market i mean the the contracts that are being given out like we were just talking about it just before we turned on like zach allen just got 15 million dollars a year yeah Javon hargrave got 20 million dollars a year deron Payne got 22 and a quarter the the Bucks aren't playing in that pool. So then you go and you look at the draft and like two of the top three guys are extremely undersized, right? And in terms of, and I'm going to screw up his name, but I'm going to try it anyway. Adetamawa Adabaware, um yeah. out of Northwestern. And, and I mean, he had a monster um, combine and he ran the 40 yard dash about as fast as Trayvon Walker in it's nuts. 10, 10 pounds heavier. Um, and then the other one being uh, Kalijah uh, Kansi, right? Mm-hmm. Both of those undersized dudes, but they bring a pass rush element, which is what you guys were talking about in terms of what the Bucks need. They need guys to bring a pass rush. Um, and then beyond them, yeah, it's not very exciting. I mean, Brian Brzee, um, yeah, I think he'll be decent. I just don't think there's a ton of upside there. But the Bucks have got to find some interior defensive linemen because – Logan Hall had a very disappointing rookie season. Nobody should be saying he's a bust at this point because <laughs> you really don't know one year in. Yeah. Um, but the hey, it, it's very hard. <laughs> 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 but it's very difficult to. Not many guys have had that poor of a season and then come back and had a really you know decent rookie contract. Mm-hmm. And then so who, who are you left with? You're left with Vita Vea. I mean. Um, yeah. Nacho just signed with the Giants. Yeah. So maybe Akeem Hicks comes back. I wouldn't be upset with that because the defense played very, you know, a lot better with him. I don't think he was the player that I thought he might be when uh, offseason was around last year. But they've got to find some interior guys, and, and there aren't a lot of options that they can afford in free agency. Yeah. Yeah. No, agreed. It's it's another position. It's a position where. And that's something you, you got to attack in the draft um, because like you said, the value is just not there right now, you know, free agency. And maybe that's something they they're going to wait on obviously and see if they can find some, you know, BC type value guys that can come in here and do a job. Um, but I, I look at the draft and I see guys where, okay, this guy can hold, hold his ground. He can maintain edge. He can, um, you know, maintain gaps and be disciplined. So that's a position that 
I think you can attack later. Um, you know, maybe third, fourth, fifth round. Uh, I think is good value there. So, yeah, I mean, and we're we're talking a lot of draft here. We're going to get back into free agency. Obviously, the the big news is <laughs> the big news is uh, Jamel Dean, uh, and you know, to get him back uh, is is pretty awesome. It sets up the secondary very well. Uh, it's a position where it just adds more flexibility. And now, you, like Josh has, has said, you can focus more on, you know, finding out who your slot corner is going to be, find out, you know, who's going to be your other safeties to pair up with Antoine Winfield. Um, so, yeah, a lot of, lot of great stuff there. And hopefully, you know, maybe by the end of the night, we get a Levante David. I don't know. We'll see, <laughs> see what happens there. Um, and I, I think he's going to take his time, you know, taking his yeah. time, make sure he finds the, the best – you know, deal possible and also the best fit, you know, to potentially, you know, if he's going out for a championship again, you know, definitely look at Buffalo. Buffalo right now is probably the one team he's looking at, right? You know, they just lost one of their linebackers. So, right. Yeah, right? Yep. Yep. Uh, but before we move on to the next part, let me just kind of thank everyone in the, in the chat. Roy Daniels over here. Thanks for the content. Y'all bring us, keep up the great work. Go Buccaneers. Grillin's in there. David Walsh, like everyone who's in that chat room bring us all the questions you want we'll try and get to all of them i know krillin's over there just getting after it but <laughs> yeah jamil dean is still a buccaneer for at least four more years under contract yeah. so that's good to see but i guess let's talk about the big elephant in the room that everyone wants to talk about who the hell is going to be the quarterback for the tampa bay buccaneers You've and heard jo josh me? let's uh let's squash this right now <laughs> lamar lamar to the bucks uh <laughs> Break it, break it down for us, and just tell us it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it. Lamar wants a fully guaranteed deal, and the Bucks aren't going to be able to give him a fully guaranteed deal. Not for the dollars that he's asking for. He wants over. He basically wants Deshaun Watson's deal. But and Deshaun Watson restructured. Do we want that deal? Which, no, I'm joking. But like, <laughs> but um. So yeah, it, it, I, I, the Bucks aren't going to be able to uh, aren't going to want to shell that out. You know, they've done basically fully guaranteed deals for Tom Brady, but those were at below market rates and for very short time periods. What Lamar's looking for is like five years, 240, 250 million fully guaranteed. When you look at the way he plays, the fact that in the last couple of years he hasn't been able to finish the season. It's a risk that I don't think the Glazers are willing to take. And then by doing that, they've got to create the cap space to get him under the cap this year, uh, which would be very difficult for them, especially at this point after signing Dean. Um, and it would also require them to give up a lot of draft capital with many holes on on the uh, on their their team. So I don't foresee it happening. Um, I'm not saying don't go after Lamar if they if they can find a way to do it. I'm very much of the opinion that you you need to have a premier quarterback in order to be a real contender year over year. So if you see the opportunity, go for it. I just don't see that opportunity for Lamar for the Bucks this year. Next year, when they've got a much better cap situation, maybe it's an opportunity, but it's just not in 2023. <laughs> Nailed it on the head. Plus the way he plays. Um, he's injury prone to me. He needs to get an agent, first of all. And secondly, it's just not going to happen. I mean, we have no money. We, we just clearly stated it out. But one name that is being thrown around a lot 
Let's bring him in here. Who is? Let's see. What name's been thrown out? Uh, there's no sound. I don't know if they can hear it. Well, I heard it. It sounded oh. good to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, Josh, Baker Mayfield, did you hear it at least? I didn't hear it, but I knew where they were going with it. Yeah. So, so, Baker Mayfield, I don't know why that wasn't working, but is obviously a candidate to be a Buccaneer quarterback. This, they're supposedly looking to be pushing towards going after him. What is your two cents on that? Do you like the option? Do you want to stick with Kyle Trask? I mean, obviously Kyle Trask is the only guy, so it needs to be yeah. something. So um, I'm I'm fine with Baker uh, as a signing to push Trask to to see who's you know wins that camp battle. He's not my number one option in terms of free agent comp, uh, quarterbacks. That would be kind of who the Bucks seem to be looking at as their plan B if Baker doesn't work out, which is Jacoby Brissett. Um, both quarterbacks I think work well in the Canales. Uh, system, uh, which McVay tree, Kevin Stefanski in, in Cleveland came from that tree, and both Jacoby Brissett and Baker Mayfield had their best years of their career in Cleveland under Kevin Stefanski. So both of them ended up with, I think, PFF grades almost identical in terms of their, their big season. Jacoby last year, uh, Baker in 2021, uh, both with low, 80 P, low 80s PFF scores, um, turnover-worthy play rates of around uh, I want to say three, 3.1%. Baker had a higher high, and I, I, that's how I view him. Um, he's got a higher ceiling than Brissett, but he's also got a lower floor. So a lot of it just comes down to your kind of risk-reward um, appetite. I'm a Brissett guy because the floor is higher, the ceiling is lower, and I'm fine with a smaller spread on the potential outcomes. Baker gives you the higher ceiling, but you're also going to get some games like you're like, what is he doing? <laughs> like that made no sense. So, um, but I will say Baker, one of the coolest things I've ever seen on a football field is what he did for the Rams that Thursday night game last year, uh, less than 48 hours of prep time in a system he hadn't been in in a while and to come out and play as well as he did. That was really cool. Like I, I won't, I won't lie. Like that was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. The guy's got heart, motor, attitude. I mean, I mean, he wants to win. Like I, yep. if you listen to his like his journey just from college, like a walk on Texas Tech, literally becomes like all the accolades in the in one year. Off after that, then he walks on again at Oklahoma, thinking, "Oh no, this is a situation I'm going to benefit at." And what does he do? He becomes a Heisman, Heisman Trophy winner and almost yep. national championship winner. So like, the, the dude's got it, but. Does a coaching staff help mold to his traits, not right. the other way around? And that's the biggest problem that is in the NFL today. And I think hopefully and a guy like Dave Canales can help mold that because, I mean, look what he did with Geno Smith, his ability to get support from what some people call trash and turn it into something, right? You, yep. you just got this guy paid the long term, like at least three more years on Seattle, and he's 32 years old. So he's not a wash-up. So a lot of people kind of throw these quarterbacks away when literally three or four years ago, they were top 10 picks. And it's like, oh, you just fell out of love? Like, I don't I don't understand that aspect of it. But before I keep going on, plus, what do you think on Baker? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with Josh, you know, and I I talked about you know Jacoby Brissett. I did a video on him, and I I think that would be a great signing. I think his fit makes a lot of sense. But if they want to go after Baker, and I I can see it because like like you guys alluded to, 2020 you know was a very good year for him with Cleveland, and he did you know great under that system where it's very similar to what Canales is going to bring in here. A lot of more play action, a lot more pocket movement, you know, I, you know, making it easier as far as reading the field. Um, so you have high lows uh, involved into your system, which is great because you have a, a preset play and it's already designed to go a certain way. So all you have to do is just execute and, and find the, you know, the best target. Um, so it just makes things easier. And, and Baker is one of the best play action quarterbacks um, in this league. And, and, and when you do that and you're playing to his strengths and maximizing it, uh, you know, obviously he does well. And it's no surprise that he did well last year with the Rams because, again, that system, he likes playing in that. And it just makes him much more comfortable, makes him a better quarterback. So, yeah, I'm definitely open to it. Um, and like like Josh said, he's got a higher higher ceiling than Jacoby. But with Jacoby, you know what you're going to get. Um, and also, it could be a better fit as far as locker room goes and all that, because what if Baker loses the job to, to Trask? And is he going to be OK being the backup? So it just all those things you have to factor into. But I, I would be happy with either one if if that's the case. Josh, let me ask you, you mentioned Brissett. Are you? saying that he's probably option two after Baker or, or you, is that just from the, the reporting that's out there that the bucks have had interest in both, but that they seem to be more aggressive towards Baker's camp at this time. Um, I think they're keeping Brissett kind of on the back burner because they're not the only ones in on Baker and they have limited resources compared to some of the other teams in the league. So they're going to have to try and sell Baker on the opportunity you know, it's a good shot to start because I don't think that they're going to hand the job to Trask. Um, and how does that play against some of the other opportunities where, you know, what is his likelihood to start in those those things? I think for Baker, he looks at Kyle Trask and he goes, I should easily be able to win this job, right? <laughs> if given a fair shot, right, I should be able to easily win this job, which is probably going to bode well for the Bucks. Then it comes down to how are they lining up the incentives? Because any contract that Baker Mayfield signs this year is going to be incentive laden, where yeah. if he starts and he does well, he'll get paid. And for the team, it works well because all of those incentives are, are likely to fall under a category called not likely to be earned because he didn't do that last year. Yeah. Right. And so it won't hit that team's salary cap in 2023. And if he hits them, all of that, the, that, those performance bonuses would hit 2024 salary cap. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, it seems like the bucks are a little bit stronger push towards Baker right now. Would you see that as like a, a one-year deal or would we get into something where it's two years with maybe, you know, void years added on or. Um, it, it's a, a lot of that's going to depend on how much Baker wants to bet on himself. Right. He seems like the kind of guy who does want to bet on himself. So I would lean towards a one-year deal for him. Because if he plays well, he doesn't want to be limited on that second year um, in, in right. terms of the, the upside. So I, I foresee that being the case with him. Jacoby would be a guy who I would see potentially signing a two-year deal um, yeah. because the upside is limited and he'll want a little bit more of the guarantee there. Yeah, a couple of things like Plus and I were talking about 
I mean, looking at the 32 teams, the only other one I could see a viable option going after them, who clearly have more money than us, I would assume, is the Washington football team. Because you just got the enemy, you got an RPO offense. I mean, that would look like a good place for him to go. But do they have the weapons we have? Not not a shot in hell. So uh, I mean, they've got weapons, man. You're going to give me one that's comparable to Mike Evans. Uh, I mean, Terry McLaurin. Oh, don't say that. He's barely Terry made McLaurin's a thousand yards time. He has made a thousand yards every season. Don't get me wrong. But let's it's not go counting stats. Terry McLaurin is a top fifteen wide receiver in the NFL. Better than Evans? I think they play in different roles. I think he's yeah. more versatile than Evans, and I yeah. think he's definitely an X receiver. And you have him. You have Curtis Samuel. Um, Oh, Jahan Dotson had a very good rookie season when he was on the field. And then um, who's their pass catching running back? Antonio Gibson. Yeah, that's that's yeah. a good that's a good you know set of weapons. Yeah. Definitely comparable to to what the Bucks have. Certainly. I don't know if I would say better, but within the same stratosphere. Yeah. You're you're comparing Curtis Samuel to Chris Godwin too, though. I did not do one for one comparison. I'm just saying I you're, the you're saying you're comparable. Let's say like we're here. Some of the parts <laughs> are absolutely in the uh, same stratosphere, uh, and I think Curtis Samuel in an Eric Bieniemy offense, you know, playing that role that yeah. kind of like a Tyreek Hill has I done. Mean, some of the ways that they manufacture touches, what they were doing with um, a kid from Florida last year that they picked up for a song. Um, why is his name? Oh, he got, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. Mm-hmm. Samuel's going to be able to do a lot of those things for the enemy's offense, and and he's going to have a pretty explosive year, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that that those were the only two options I would think: the Bucks or Washington. So it's who has the better pitch and who has the more. Mo- who, I guess which one does he want? Does he want more money, or does he want to find where he thinks he fits best? Right. Because so, the Bucks aren't going to be able to fit. Let's be honest about that. Washington has about $21 million in cap room. I don't think that counts the Duran Payne contract that they just agreed to. So that'll eat up some of it, but they're in a better spot than the Bucks are. Oh, yeah. Like mm-hmm. I think everyone is. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not the Saints, which if you want, I can break a little bit of Saints news for you. Uh-oh, in a good or a bad way? Well, for Bucks fans, I would say good. Marcus Davenport is leaving the NFC South. Oh, that's good. Uh, one-year deal, $13 million with the Vikings. And then the Falcons picked up yet another player. They uh, picked up linebacker, uh, actually a Saints linebacker, Caden Ellis. For, uh, <laughs> it doesn't say the, the deal, but basically all of the Saints players are leaving the Saints for other yeah. NFC teams. And that Jesse Bates contract on the Falcons is nuts. Like, I think it's yeah, uh, how signing Antoine Winfield Jr. the next coming year is going to be insane because of the number he got. Yep. Yeah, it basically yeah. creates the market for, for yeah. Winfield. Yeah. Mm. Right, one more quarterback question. Is there any um, hype on Drew Locke based on familiarity with Dave Canales? Probably same thing with Idzik. Like, is there any, I guess, rumors of him coming yeah, to it, more competition? It's been a logical kind of like people are just saying naturally that should happen. Um, from what we've heard, we haven't heard of any contact between the two camps. So. Okay. Well, yeah. I just had to get that question out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think they're going to wait and see on that. Again, it, it's something where 
they're going to focus on their top target, which looks like it's going to be Baker Mayfield. Uh, and then, you know, they'll move into additional quarterbacks once the, the market kind of plays itself out. Um, and I could see Drew Locke coming here for relatively cheap, you know, one year, maybe 2 million around that range. Um, and, and potentially be the, the third quarterback on this team. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of on record internally with the, our pewter report chat. Mm -hmm. Um, if they sign either Brissett or Baker, I think they should be completely out on lock. Okay. Um, and at that point, your third quarterback should be somebody you draft an undrafted free agent, somebody who's a career three. And, And the model that I kind of point to is you look at Carolina last year, right? They had Matt Corral, they had Baker Mayfield, they had Sam Darnold, they had, uh, PJ Walker. When you have that many guys where somebody can make a case for maybe they should be the starter, ultimately all you're doing is creating chaos Mm. and throughout the year, you're going to end up taking snaps away from all of them. And nobody has a shot at being a good quarterback. Um, I don't have a problem with a two headed quarterback battle, but when it gets into three, again, I just think that that's a recipe for disaster. So Mm. after you've got your two, I firmly believe that third guy should be somebody where there's no real, um, argument that they should be in the in the battle mm-hmm. yeah no no i see that i i see that and that makes you know that makes sense from from that standpoint and you want to make sure you know guys fit their roles and you know know where they are and you know you don't want to create like you said chaos in, in that sense um is there anybody that you're looking at um you know for quarterback as far as like a day three potential we personally we like uh dtr uh dorian I think it's Dorian Robinson out of UCLA. Yeah, I haven't gotten that far. Um, I've only evaluated four quarterbacks so far, the big four. Um, For me, I've got a very close grade on the top three, and then Will Levis I've got as kind of more of a second-round grade. Um, I I know I will set off Seminole fans, and I will set off a lot of people when I say my my number one quarterback on my board is Anthony Richardson. it would be Bryce Young if I wasn't so damn scared of that size yeah. and how he'll hold up against uh, an NFL pass rush over the course of the full season. Um, and then uh, Stroud, very right there in there. And any any one of those guys goes number one, I understand it. Um, mm. But for me, the upside of Richardson, I think that he's actually a lot more developed than a lot of people give him credit for. I just think he needs more experience. And I do think that there's yep. a difference between those two terms. Um, so he's my, my one, I haven't really gotten into the day, day two or day three guys. Um, I've finished cornerback. I'm about halfway done with edge rushers and I'm falling behind daily <laughs> in terms of where I want to be. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, for me, I'm, I'm trying to go with, uh, kind of how I thought the bucks needs would fall out. And this Jamel Dean signing just puts that whole cornerback list that I put together. I'm like, damn it. Should have gone edge rusher first, um, so, but it was a lot of fun to evaluate corners because it was such a it's such a great class, so mm-hmm. much fun to watch. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good class. Um, Deontay Banks continues to rise. It, it seems like he's going to be, you know, that first round corner, um, which is great. You know, he's yep. I I look at him and I see I'm like, well, there's Jamel Dean right there. <laughs> you know, yep. you know, he plays very similar. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. is like he reminds me so much of Carlton Davis. It's like, it's, it's very cool to see like these bigger corners coming out and they're just like so super athletic uh, and can do so much. It adds a lot to 
what you want to do for your defense and it, it allows your your abilities to be creative and, and do different things so yeah very excited for that class we had an in, uh, an opportunity to talk to Jaden Reed the wide receiver from Michigan State at the mm. senior bowl it was really interesting uh, Scott Reynolds from Pewter Report he uh he asked him you know who, who was the toughest matchup you had you know in terms of corners and um, he immediately said the guys from Maryland, right? Mm-hmm. So Deontay Banks was one. And I want to say the other one was uh, Jacorian Bennett. You know, he right. said those guys were just uber competitive, made every route I ran very difficult. So uh, to kind of give you an idea there, and I'm very high on Banks. I actually have him rated. Uh, I have him ranked higher than Joey Porter on my list. I have him mm-hmm. as my cornerback three yeah. um, behind Christian Gonzalez, who's two, and then uh, Devon Witherspoon, he's so much of a fun watch out of Illinois. Um, really a, disappointing that he had that, I think it was a hamstring injury right before the combine. He wasn't able to uh, do the drills there and then wasn't able to run at his pro day either. Well, let me give to those who think it's just trash for Baker Mayfield. We should even be going after him. Everyone wants clearly Lamar Jackson, which thankfully you put it to bed on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm crazy. You had to do that, but let's let's bring this back up. Plus, can you bring that screen yeah, up? Because there it is. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, just looking at his numbers, clearly there's a little Baker, six one two fifteen. Like what I kind of say is with falling out of love of quarterbacks. This guy was a first overall pick, Heisman Trophy winner, and during the combine, people fall in love with quarterbacks, and that's what's going to happen. Anthony Richardson could be a number one overall pick, even though his season at Florida was terrible. Well, not terrible. It just wasn't the best in Heisman Trophy esque that usually you hear as a first overall pick. But this guy put up the numbers. He succeeded at every level. He even got this team one game away from playing the Bucks in 2020 to be in the Super Bowl against us, which would have been kind of oddly cool to see. Still think we win that game easy. But <laughs> I mean, look at his maturation here. I mean, his fir- first rookie season, six and seven record. Pretty damn good stats. 3,700 yards, 27 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Everyone gets mad. He just starts throwing interceptions. But I never see a 30 like James Wynn. <laughs> Let me not throw that there. But your second year, people kind of get their tendencies. So that's kind of what happened there. Third year, he blows up and gets them all the way to NMC, or AFC. Uh, not the AFC Championship game. Yeah, AFC Championship. Yeah, okay. So it yeah. was. So right before facing us. So And that was a hell of a good season. Then he injures him, his shoulder. Falls out of love immediately. They signed Deshaun Watson. They trade him to Carolina for pennies. Carolina thinks they know what the hell they're doing with him. Again, this is where the marriage between a quarterback and a, a system have to be a unison. I mean, I think Tom Brady and Belichick aren't one and without the other. I mean, there has to be a good marriage between the two. And that's why I look at the combine and these guys running around. See, I see this as this. Like, it's... Either when you feel, matters what age you are. If you're a guy, you're walking into a club, you're, you're looking at all these girls, you're like, oh my gosh, they got this, they got that. <laughs> yeah, Anthony Richardson can throw really far. He can run really fast. They fall in love with the traits, the the goods on a girl, right? <laughs> so, I mean, whatever you want to look at it as, that's what you fall in love with. But does that marry with the guy who is either Prince Charming that you guys kind of combine together and use your talents to best to their ability, or you just say, oh, I'm going to try and just, force a round peg into a square hole. That's right. what a lot of teams in the NFL do because they're stubborn, they're prideful, mm-hmm. and it's god-awful at times. <laughs> and you're ruining guys' careers like that. 
with, yeah, I, I think the big thing you, oh, go ahead, go you had ahead. mentioned. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to just say, like, so with Baker actually choosing his his team, I mean, I think it's two good options no matter what. I mean, you have an RPO heavy offense with the enemy, and then you have a new developing offense with a lot of weapons and, and Tampa Bay as well that you can kind of adapt with and a defensive coach that can help you stay in games. I, I know there's holes in that side, but I have more trust in Todd Bowles as a defense than I ever had in Leftwich's offense. Another shot, shot fired on that one. But, I mean, either way, I think there's two good options. If we get them, I still think that 2020 season that he had is very capable of having, even though a lot of people say there's a lot of downside. If play to his strengths, stop forcing him to do things that he's not very well at, start doing some play action that we saw – all those plays he highlights with. So with that, I'll shut the hell up and Josh, take it away. <laughs> yeah. So I think just kind of playing off what you said there at the end, like him in that 2020 season, they didn't quite make the AFC championship game that year. They made it to the divisional round. They lost to the chiefs. That was yeah. the year where the chiefs bills had that absolutely amazing AFC championship oh, yeah, game yeah. where yeah. there was like 15 touchdowns in the last two minutes. Yeah. Uh, but that year was Baker at his best where the, the scheme was built for his talents um, under Stefanski and he was he was healthy and you had mentioned you know play action so in 2020 um, he he did play action on 30 percent of his dropbacks completed 67 percent of his throws under play action averaged nine and a half yards per attempt 12 touchdowns one interception 12 big time throws which was about eight percent of his throws there and only four turnover worthy plays which was like two and a half percent, which is about a half percent lower than his career average. So you put him in that situation as much as possible, which is probably what Buck's new offensive coordinator, Dave Canales, would do with any quarterback he has. And Baker absolutely can optimize that situation. So there's certainly a lot of upside. I think a lot of people's dislike for Baker comes down to the personality. He's brash, right? I think he's an amazing actor. Those Geico commercials are phenomenal, right? <laughs> um, but he, he's very confident in himself and he's willing to bet on himself. And that turns a lot of people off, right? Um, you don't hear a ton from his teammates about him being a poor teammate. There's the him and um, uh, Odell issues, yeah. right? And really it was more him and Odell's dad. But, <laughs> um, but in general, he just seems like a very good guy. He was put in a really tough situation when the Browns decided to move on from him and trade for Deshaun Watson. And I still think he handled himself like, like a consummate professional. He was honest. He was transparent. He was willing to talk about you know how it made him feel. But he was willing to go forward, and he didn't really throw anybody under the bus. So uh, it may turn some people off, but I'm one of the few who I actually like his personality. So I think, I think as a member of the media – if Baker comes to Tampa, like it's going to be fun to cover him. That's for sure. Mm. Those press conferences are going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Much more exciting than Byron Leftwich, uh, for sure. And as we've already, as we've already seen, Dave Canales can knock it out of the park. So, yep. Yeah. That would be, yeah, I, I'm all for it. And again, it's about finding the quarterback that you think is going to best fit what you want to do offensively. And if Baker Mayfield is that guy, then that's what you have to go after and you have to make it a priority. Um, so yeah, whoever that guy is, and it could still very well be Kyle Trask. If Kyle Trask comes in and, you know, wins the job, then I think that shows how good Jason light is and like how good this, you know, this front office can be, um, because that's a huge win. If, if Kyle Trask, you know, earns the job. 
I think that looks good too. So, but like Mark was saying, it you you got to play to these guys' strengths, and I talk about it all the time. You play your strengths to hide your weaknesses. It's something that the good teams do. I mean, we just saw in the playoffs. You saw in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs and and the Eagles. Like Jalen Hurts is not playing conventional quarterback, even though he can do that. They're going to let him play to what he does best, and that's RPOs. Yep. That's getting him outside the pocket, making it one to two reads, get the ball out of his hands quickly, and, and play smart. Um, same thing with uh, with Patrick Mahomes. Like in that offense, the way it's designed, they're not making it hard on him, you know, because he can just get rid of the football very quickly. Um, and then also, if he if the play does break down, that's what makes him elite. He can run. And same thing with Jalen Hurts. Um, so definitely you have to have that ability. And I think that's why they're looking at a Baker who does have some mobility, can run, can do some things off of, off the run. So yeah, it's all, all good stuff in my opinion. Yep. One of the Bucks potential quarterbacks is officially off the board as of us doing this stream. Oh, is it Baker? <laughs> it's <laughs> not. not. Oh, okay. But, um, I have heard some Bucks fans and, uh, was his name JC Cornell? I believe, mm. formerly of the Draft Network, had, had been posting this. Jameis Winston is staying in New Orleans. Oh wow! Yeah. He has deal. reworked his deal for up to eight million dollars, and he will no longer be an option for those Bucks fans who really <sighs> wanted him to return. Is there really that? Is there any? There's a lot. There's oh, a hand. There's yeah. a lot out there. You there's got, a lot out there. Yeah, Mark doesn't as much. Yeah, Mark doesn't follow Twitter as much as you and I, Josh. So um. I only see Josh's tweets for some reason. <laughs> I don't understand yeah. that. Well, then you've curated a, an amazing right. like Twitter bubble. If it's just me, I'm yeah. very happy about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, there are some people out there who are still banging that drum for Jameis, yeah. and uh, they're going to be very, very upset that he stayed in New Orleans and that he is going to be a backup quarterback because. Right. They are convinced he's a top 10 quarterback in the NFL. <laughs> Certainly better than Derek Carr. Oh, man. Jameis, Jameis yeah. one of one is broken right now. <laughs> that was like a slap to his face, right? They, they were like, no, you're going to restructure a contract and be a backup, or we're just going to let you walk, right? It was I'm, just, I'm was surprised yeah. he took it. Any, 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 he, I'm sure him and his agent take, took a look at the market, and they realized they weren't going to get better than that. Uh, I think sure. he's starting to figure out that, he can be like another 10 year career backup and really kind of fall into that Fitzpatrick mold where, and at some point if he gets that extended look and he goes on a heater, it'll turn into a two or three year deal where he can cash in a little bit more. And that's not a bad career to have, but okay. at this point, nobody's going to be looking at him for eight mil a year to, to try and start. And so he took the best option and good for him. Yeah. Yep, made the right choice. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, good luck. I never wish bad upon anyone. I mean, yeah, that 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 almost matches my marriage between two. I, plus, and I talked about this between two play a, co a coach and a player. BA system is oh no, just send them all out deep, and you, there's option routes. If the wide receiver runs it there, you got you have to trust it's going to be there. Jameis Winston, a terrible decision maker, forces a lot of things. Trusts his arm a little too much. At times, it looks fantastic. At others, it looks god-awful. He just trusted him to do too many things where he shouldn't have done do, been doing that. should have limited his, his shots to more higher probability shots. So 
that was a terrible marriage, B.A. and Jameis. Yeah, it, it looked good when it worked. It looked god-awful when yeah. he was doing these option routes where it was forcing. And it was because they they told him to do it. I was in Atlanta uh, for the 2019 Bucks game. Like, I attended that one. Mm. Oh, man, that was Jameis in a microcosm, a majorcosm, every kind of cosm. I think that game, he threw five touchdowns and four interceptions. Mm. It was every single drive he was going downtown and somebody was catching it just was about 50 50 whether it was his team or somebody else's <laughs> yeah it, it was uh it was a roller coaster and that's you know that's what Jameis that's what Jameis has been unfortunately and you know but good for him I think it's smart to you know stay in New Orleans and obviously build some you know uh, comfortability there and also, you know, just reset yourself and maybe get your opportunity down the road. Um, because again, Derek Carr, something happens to him. Guess what? You're, you're right back in there. So, um, yeah, that's smart. Um, and you know what, to what Mark was saying about, you know, the offense and not forcing things. I mean, you look at BA and Tom Brady, completely different marriage, but you, Tom Brady's elite. So you bring in that elite quarterback, the scheme is going to look better because Tom knows how to operate it, knows how to go, you know, where to go with the football. Um, so, yeah, it was just, yeah, you, you just have to be in the right situation, especially for a quarterback. And you look at all these young quarterbacks coming in for this draft. I mean, you hope for the best for them. You hope yeah. that the teams do right by what they need. Um, and that's the thing with like Anthony Richardson. I agree with Josh. I think he just needs experience but you have to be fully committed to him getting that experience and making sure it's the right kind of experience so he can develop properly and naturally and continue to get better. And that's why I I honestly think like every one of the top quarterbacks in the draft should be hoping they go one overall, not because of the, the status that comes with it, but the brain trust that's got that number one overall pick now in Carolina with Frank Reich and, Josh McCown, I think that that's going to be a phenomenal situation for anybody. I think you talk about a staff that's going to cater to whichever quarterback they take strengths. That is the Panther staff that they're going to. I have a high degree of confidence in whoever they pick is going to be a really good quarterback because they'll develop them that quarterback the way that they should be. Mm-hmm. What's funny is that there were rumors that they were trying to trade back out of it now. It's like, I, I could see wow. it. What was the draft day? Draft day. Yeah. <laughs> it would be amazing though. It'd be a surreal, awesome drama field show. I'd, I'd love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's going to be more trades. I mean, obviously Arizona is probably, you know, on the phone right now looking to trade back. Yeah. Um, so but we'll see. I mean, the Raiders just signed Jimmy Garoppolo. Does that take him out from getting a quarterback? Um, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I think they could still be in on quarterback. So it just all these options. I mean, it's always it's always uh, churning. Like you can see different things happening because you signed this player, or you know. So you just never know exactly what the true intentions are of a team, and we didn't know either as Bucks fans. Like seeing Jamel Dean back. That was definitely surprising. Like we all thought, yeah, there's no way he's coming back. Right. <laughs> but yeah. Awesome job by the Buccaneers. And if you guys missed the the first half of the show, we talked about that. We talked about some draft. Um, be sure to hit that like button, uh, comment, comment your thoughts. And again, uh, 
give us a like button. We're very excited to have Josh on here with us. So he's been awesome. And hopefully you guys missed my intro because it was just awful. I didn't do a very good intro, but <laughs> uh, but it's been it's been a really good show and um, a lot of fun. So this is the off season. It's just getting started, and there's going to be a lot more as we get get going here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be fun. I mean, yeah. so Josh, let me ask you personally, not what are you here? So Baker and Trask. Say if we do sign Baker. Clearly, Trask is here. They go head to head. Who do you think honestly wins that? Personal, or not just who do you want, but who do you think? Yeah. So uh, I guess I have to ask a question for the caveat. The Bucks have a second round pick, kind of invested in Trask, which means that you're in the real world. They're probably leaning towards wanting him to win that, and you see what that happens like last year with Gedeki, right? Gedeke won the the left guard spot out of camp because they had a second round pick invested in him and that accounted into their decision making. So are you saying real world or are you saying completely even battle? They just want the best guy for the job. Who wins it? Best yeah. guy for the job. Yeah, best guy. Baker. Okay. It's yeah. a, high, a higher ceiling, and I think he would he would win it out. And I think that the scheme's built a little bit more for his skill set. I I hope your first initial thought process is not what they're thinking at all. I mean, cause I mean, Jason Light has slowly learned from all of his mistakes, like the signing, his first signings of Anthony Collins, realizing I can't go just signing people out of nowhere. It just doesn't work. Uh, drafting uh, kickers early is not working. He learned that immediately got rid of it. Um, what other mistakes he, has he made? He's learned from, I mean, I feel like he's learning from them every year. He's kind of getting better. He's getting more, sound with his decisions i mean even now like you're not really making big splash plays working the, the long game i hope that is not it because yeah the get a key thing that did play into it which yeah, hopefully you learn again it's a balancing act because he is a very intelligent person and he's shown that he's willing to learn from his mistakes there's also you don't make it to that position in a league like the nfl without some ego mm. and if you've invested a second round pick in a guy you want to see some return on it. You want to give him the opportunity to show some return on that. So I think that that's going to play into it. You'll know if it plays into it based on who gets starter reps in the first day of training camp. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we see it. We see it all the time. I mean, you look at, um, I mean, draft picks, you, you want them to play, obviously. You want them to get out there. You want like that return of investment, like Josh said. I mean, it's very important. Um, should Gedeke been out there at left guard? Mm, probably not. Probably not. He wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. And I, I was, you know, week one, week two, week three, because yeah. he there wasn't a huge separation between Nick Leverett and him in training camp. All right, right. you lean to your your second round investment, but by week four, get him out. Yeah, of yeah. 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 They shouldn't have waited out. till what was it? Week six, week seven. Like at that yeah. point, it was obvious. Mm. yeah i mean it was funny because i was seeing like okay he's doing okay like he's getting by but when he started going up against cam haywards of the world and like all these guys like it was just obvious he, he wasn't ready and it's a tough transition i mean going from right tackle to to left guard that's not easy um so he but yeah i mean string of terrible luck in terms of like getting every single top d tackle in the league <laughs> One after the other, 
bad luck. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely for sure. Guys too, not just athletic, but veteran guys that know how to beat you with their yep. head. Mm-hmm. And like this guy's confidence keeps going lower and lower. The Cowboys yep. game, he actually looked pretty good. Yep. I mean, run blocking definitely, but I mean, he didn't look awful. It just got steadily worse, and it's like, yep. when, yep. when, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. So you know, we'll see what happens with him. You know, potentially at right tackle. Um, but like, you know, your question mark with Trask versus Baker, if it's hopefully, you know, they play the best, the best guy. And I think that's what they should do. But like Josh says, it doesn't always happen because you want to see that investment. You want to see that return. Um, and you want to see Trask do well. So, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. If that comes true, I'm looking forward to it. Cause that'll be a good battle. Um, and two guys that you know, we'll give it everything and obviously put the Bucks offense in a better position, I think. Um, and also, I just want to say, lastly, I think a lot of people are underestimating the modern offense that we're going to be seeing. And yes. I know a lot of people, you know, especially Josh, you can you can talk to this because we're in a group chat together. And some of the guys like they talk about the offense and like all this and like if Trask is the starter, like we're just going to be awful. Like it's not going to be able to move or, you know, do anything, but I just see the scheme playing such a huge role uh, because it's important when you have a diverse and balanced and, you know, not predictable scheme that plays a big part, um, especially when you can attack defenses differently week to week. Um, and you have the skilled players, being the strength of your offense now instead of the quarterback. You're not putting everything on the quarterback now like we did with Tom Brady. It's going to be more more driven to play to Mike Evans, play to Chris Godwin, play to these other guys and let them go take some of the burden off the quarterback. Take the quarterback off the high dive is something Dave Canales said, and I'm just looking forward to that, having an up-to-date offense that we know is going to be called like it should be. Yeah, I think the best way to kind of highlight that point you just made, Plus, was you look at Jacoby Brissett's career, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, 2017 was the first year where he really got an opportunity to start all year. He had a PFF grade of 62.4. Um, then 2019, again, with Indy, 59.2. And these were in not that kind of more modern offense that, that you were just talking about. Then in 2021, he actually had a pretty good PFF grade. It was like 76, um, but that was in a, a heavy RPO offense and uh, that didn't trust their offensive line. But then you put him in a, a that very similar to Canales's offense in Cleveland last year, and he went off for one of the better you know grades in, in the entire league. And it wasn't that Jacoby Brissett all of a sudden became this much better quarterback. It wasn't that Geno Smith became this much better quarterback. They just got put into systems that asked them, didn't ask them to do a ton and ask them to do what they do well a lot. And if mm-hmm. you can marry that to the quarterback skill set, like you guys have been preaching, it can lead to a solid offense, maybe not a world beater, but certainly one that can average more than 18 points yeah. per game, which is what <laughs> Bucks fans saw last year. Yeah. Um, and with the, if, Todd Bowles can continue to replicate the defense that he has over the last couple of years where you only need say 21, 22 points a game. You're looking at a winning record in a division that's still very much up for grabs. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's all I'm saying. I mean, you have you have talented players on this team on offense. I think the offensive line is not as bad as it's, you know, everyone thinks. Um, and you have a good core with Rashad White, Kate Otten, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage now back. There's there's pieces there to work with. Um, and if you just give the quarterback an easier task where he can just go out there and pick an option from one of those and get him the football. I, I think you're in, in a good spot, but again, time, time will tell, and it has to be done on the field. So we can't talk about it, it has to actually be shown. Um, Dave Canales has to live up to what he talked about, you know, in the press conference. And that's something, you know, Mark and I have discussed off is Like, is this guy actually going to put into what he's speaking? Um, and we hope so. And we, we believe it will be um, because, of all the praise he got from Seattle, they talk very highly of him. Very intelligent dude. So, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited. Jamel Dean's back with us, guys. That's that's a huge, uh, huge deal. Um, and also, just all the offseason stuff is just getting underway. And we got draft less than I don't know how many weeks, <laughs> which is awesome. Um, and it should be it should be a fun uh, fun offseason for sure. Um, and last thing. I guess last thing to uh, get into the Shaq Mason. I don't know if we discussed it, but Josh, just your thoughts on Shaq Mason. Do you do you see this just as financial, or was he like? Do you see him being a fit for this offense, or they just need to move on because? The yeah, cap- I think it. I think it's more financial. Um, I think it really comes down to the Bucks had to become cap compliant by um, this upcoming Wednesday, yeah. and they made a string of moves to do that. They reduced, they were able to negotiate with Russell Gage to reduce his salary, then restructured it. They restructured the contracts of uh, Ryan Jensen, Chris Godwin, Carlton Davis, and Via Vea. Um, the one contract they did not restructure that they could have freed up almost $10 million in cap space on was that of Shaq Barrett. And so um, they'll, if they cut Mason, they'll save about $5 million. Mm. So for me, I, I really see it came down to those two. And this, to me, tells me that the Bucks are not confident that Shaq Barrett's going to be able to return from that Achilles injury and be worth the, you know, the, the contract that they signed him to a couple of years ago. And they don't want to restructure his deal because it would make it very difficult for them to walk away in 2024. So deciding not to do that, they had to find way, a way to still free up more cap space. And I think that's where the Mason thing, where they they feel like between Hainsey, Leverett, and Gedeke, they're going to find a right guard, uh, mm-hmm. and, and they'll probably you know replenish through the draft a little bit. Um, so they've made that decision. It's more of a financial decision as they try to clean up their cap for 2024 and beyond. Yeah, we, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well said. Um, so that pencils in Nolan Smith, right at 19. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be mad at it. I know yeah. you wouldn't be mad at it. <laughs> that, hey, that's that's our guy. I mean, Big Sam. <laughs> I think he's I think he's what number three on my board right now. Nope, he's number two. Mm-hmm. He's number two edge rusher for me. What's that? Yeah. He's already gone. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Just as you say that, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just adds Probably. he adds a lot of speed. And then you get younger, you add speed. It's everything they want to do this offseason. So makes a lot of sense to me. They they should definitely, definitely consider it. 
I guarantee they're considering. It's just does he does he fall to them? <laughs> I think he'll be there. You know, he's six. He's undersized. You know, but he does play bigger than his size. Excellent run defender, and just yep. knows how to he knows how to get after the quarterback too. I think that's something that you'll see at the next level. It's kind of like that that Trayvon Walker projection where you know he wasn't he didn't get sacks at Georgia, but when he got into the NFL, he showed everything, and you know obviously did very well. So, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep. So All right. Well, yep. Be drafted. If he gets drafted by the Buccaneers, you'll be a very, very happy Roblox talks. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna throw. I'll come on and pop champagne with you. Hell, hell yeah! <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, I think that's gonna do it for us. Um, again, we just we talked a lot about free agency, a lot about uh, the NFL draft, and just talking about this team. Very excited to see where it goes. It's definitely a new direction. But Josh, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on here. Um, we'll definitely get you back on. Uh, in the next couple of months, I'm sure. Um, so just uh, tell everyone about your work because it's awesome at Pew Report. And make, sh- make sure you follow this guy. He's a great follow on Twitter. I appreciate that. Uh, so yeah, at, at, on Twitter, you can find me at Josh underscore Capo. Um, and uh, in terms of my work for Pewter Reports, I started as a cap analyst and just got really into the draft. So you'll see uh, articles coming out from me over the next few weeks that'll dive into the contracts that the Bucks sign players to or re-sign players to. Uh, and then you'll see uh, me uh, doing some draft evals. I think the one I did over the weekend was on um, Will Anderson or I'm sorry, Will McDonald um, uh, out of Iowa State. So you'll see that type of stuff. Uh, and just, you know, alongside all of my wonderful colleagues at Pewter Report, just uh, fantastic content all around. So check us out. All right. Awesome stuff. Mark, any last words? Yeah, just block everyone else. Follow Josh on Twitter. There you go. <laughs> there you go. And Real Bucks Talk. Don't forget about you yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, that's, those two. That's about it. That's all you need. Well, what is funny is Mark and I share the same Twitter. So it's funny that all he sees is your your tweets. So that's awesome. I'm like, <laughs> he must go in and set it up on his own and then reverts it back. I don't know. But uh yeah, it works. that's all I know. It works. It works. It definitely, <laughs> it definitely works. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, guys. And thank you for having me on. This one's well, been yeah. a big one that I've been looking forward to. Absolutely. And definitely we'll have you on um, as we get closer to the draft. Obviously, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but everyone to the chat, we appreciate you. Uh, Krillin, always MVP in here. Um, but everyone else watching this, uh, be sure to hit that like button and support both Pew Report and Real Bucks Talk. Much appreciated. And with that said, until the next one, And we'll see ya.